it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 53. I'm Nathan Hirsch. I'm here with Jake Slobodnik. Jake, how's it going? Oh, it's glorious, Nate. Back at it. Baseball's no longer locked out, and the hell of winter is finally behind us. I'm so glad to be back and really looking forward to what baseball awaits us here in coming months. How are you, man? I'm good. It's good to talk to you again. Like you said, baseball is officially back. Thank the gods. Thank goodness. Uh, After a nasty 99-day lockout. Nasty negotiations. We thought we had a deal a week ago. Thought we had a deal yesterday. Finally, a deal has been made. I'm just happy. Today Today is a good day. Today is a very good day. Yeah, it, it's a remarkable day. I'm so glad that things were finally able to be sorted out by the players and owners and, you know, things pretty much able to get their heads out of their asses and we're able to finally have a season. Hey, they missed the 100-day mark, so I guess that's a good thing. But I guess all things uh, really work themselves out within due time. Yeah, they really do. And, um, yeah, the last time we did a pod was beginning of December. It was right before the lockout started. We were talking some some Pirates moves. But we're officially back. And let's just let's just kind of talk about a little bit the, the details of this new collective bargaining agreement. The big things, obviously, the com- competitive balance tax threshold upped from $210 million. It's now $230 million, and in 2026, that'll rise every year. 2026, it'll be $244 million. Um, so it rises about 3 or $4 million every year after this one. 
that's a, I don't know if it's a win for the players, but it's at least an increase. Another solid thing for the players is the minimum salary. It's going to be $700,000 minimum for players starting this season. And then it'll increase $20,000 each year until 2026. That's how long the deal is. Um, The pre-arbitration bonus pool, that was a big deal. That's $50 million for players that win awards if they're pre-arbitration eligible. Uh, The example they have here on MLB.com is – Last year, Cy Young Award winner Corbin Burns would have made $4.2 million instead of a little over 600000 So for young players, you're not, you're not just screwed with the minimum salary if you're one of the best players in the league, which at this, at this rate, uh, there's a ton of young, awesome players. Uh, draft lottery, six teams. There's going to be an international draft. Um, 12 playoff teams. So I, I don't know what do you want to dig into first, Jake, uh, a lot of new changes. And I guess, I guess just, we could start with what, what do you like? What don't you like? I'll start with uh, the elephant in the room and that's the universal DH. How everybody's been fighting. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Uh, how everybody, I think that's been severely overlooked probably because it makes the most sense. Um, the demand for it has been high for, you know, since tw- the, uh, shortened 2020 season, and now they're finally implementing it. Uh, that I'm just going to highlight over that. I think that's the biggest thing because now I know people in the National League might like to see pitchers occasionally hit, uh, but I think now it's time for baseball to really evolve and sort of get a little bit more in the game planning thing and mesh the American and National League uh, strategy together a little bit. So I think this universal DH will really help out, and it'll promote uh, the usage of power, in my opinion, on National League teams, especially like the Pirates. You know, one team that struggled with power over the past few years. Now it's sort of like they kind of have to get a power. Um, overall, I think it's a great move. Um, another thing I like, um, I just had it in my head. Jeez, um, oh, like. Well, the base size, I guess we can go over that. I don't know. I, I think that's a good thing because now Key Brian Hayes can actually see it whenever he's rounding in a home run. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yep, I'm back. I'm back and better than ever. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. I like the fact they're trying to get the 162-game schedule in even after they said they weren't and that they weren't going to make it up. Um, I think it's huge that they're at least trying to put their foot down and see what they can do to make that work. Uh, that's it. No more seven inning double headers and no more extra or uh, um, extra innings roll with a base runner. No more international tiebreaker. That's huge. Now it doesn't seem like one team has more of an advantage when it comes to extra innings of play or it's more one sided. You know, bunt the runner over, score him on a sack fly. Now it's like okay, now we got to plan a little bit more for whenever you know that sort of scenario happens. You know, what can we do in order to put up runs in extra innings? Um, I see the issue why they tried the international tiebreaker rule, you know, trying to limit the 19 inning games, but this is the way that extra innings were meant to be played. Uh, so I, I don't see a problem with that. And I'm glad they did away with that old, uh, with that old technique. A lot of people were saying how bad it was. And yeah, I agree. But at the same time, they were kind of testing it in my opinion, they're taking it for a trial run. So uh, to me, it would have ended sooner rather than later. But uh, the fact that they got rid of it as soon as they did, really just shows how much they're sort of, sort of listening, I guess. Um, and then the nine-inning doubleheaders, again, that's just how baseball is meant to be played. No more seven-inning bullshit and no more uh, stupid stuff like that. Uh, overall, I think 
the changes to the game, uh, the in-game changes, I think are huge for this sport. And I'm kind of glad that the union sort of <laughs> buckled down in implementing those and making sure that they were passed. Um, obviously, you mentioned the monetary uh, side of things, especially for younger players, because they've just been getting screwed left and right for years, really. And now they're starting to see somewhat of a break. It's not as big as I think the union wanted, but nonetheless, an improvement anyway. And any sort of improvement, in my opinion, is is a win. And uh, you look at the CBT they signed. It's expected to grow, uh, what, $14 million Um do they have, I don't think they have a timetable for that. I'm looking at Passon's article on ESPN, but it just says it's supposed to grow. It doesn't have a timetable for it. Uh, it has from this year to 2026. It'll be 230 this year, and then 233, 237, 241, and 244 in 2026. Um, so, yeah, a little bit each year. Nothing crazy, but it, it will grow every year of this deal. Yeah, and I think $14 million over a four-year span is nothing to scoff at. Um, so overall, I think this is a very good deal. Obviously, you're going to have a lot of people that say that, you know, the union probably could have got more. The league kind of you know, might have screwed them a little bit. But overall, uh, this is a big win. This and the, the entire deal itself, I think, benefits both owners and players. And trust me, I'm not a guy who's on the owner's side. But when you're look, looking to work out something like this, and especially with how much of a divide there was between both sides, you need something that's going to make both sides happy. And I mean, overall, this is it. So um it sucks it took this long to come up with, but with the way it worked out, I'm all for I'm all for this. There might have been changes that could have went without, like the eight bigger bases. But overall, I'll take it. You know, I, I'm not going to scoff at this. We're going to have a full baseball season. Sure, it's going to be delayed by a few weeks, but hell, I'll take that over not not having a season. No, I mean, opening day is only delayed by three days. Opening day is April 7th which is, uh, I think, yeah, the, the original day was April 4th. But, uh, yeah, my, my, you know what my favorite part of this whole deal is? It's the fact that it's freaking over. I am so tired of talking about the collective bargaining agreement deal, the new CBA. I, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of the endless uh, talks of, should there be a salary cap? Should there be a salary floor? That was a big topic in Pittsburgh. It was never going to happen. And I mean, I'm, I'm just tired of, you know, the, the owners during these negotiations. I'm, I was tired of them giving tidbits to the John Haymans of the world saying, oh, it looks like both sides are close on a deal. And then at the very last second, adding something else to the deal saying, oh, well, we'll get this deal done if the players give on this. And then, you know, the players are like, well, no, we were actually never close on a deal ever. And it was just an endless cycle of, you know, just news that there was just certain leaks. There were certain agendas throughout the whole process. I'm just glad it's all over. The lockout officially ended at 7 p.m. here on Wednesday, the night or no, today's Thursday, Thursday the night we're recording and free agency transactions officially open. Nothing has been done yet. So, I mean, obviously there really wasn't any tampering or else we'd see some deals by now, but I'm sure all of the GMs are going crazy on the phones right now. The agents are going crazy on the phones right now. We're probably going to get some moves as early as maybe tonight, 
probably tomorrow at the latest. Uh, I'm just excited that, you know, me as a fan, obviously it does seem like the general public was on the player's side and they always will be because, you know, we watch the game for the players, obviously, not the owners. And it does always kind of seem like the players will get the lesser end of the deal just because, you know, 30 owners, it's a lot easier to stand together than 1,200 players. But it's over. There's a deal. We don't have to talk about it anymore except for this podcast, obviously. Um, I'm just happy. Spring training, players are reporting in three days. Spring training games will start, I believe, March 17th. Like I said, opening days, April 7th. They um, schedule-wise only miss three games, and then the the uh, other three games that are, they're just getting rescheduled into double headers. So we're going to get 162 games. We're going to get the 12 playoff teams. Which who knows? We'll see what happens with the Pirates. We could talk about them a little later. I don't see them being a playoff team, but their chances do increase slightly because there's more teams in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just happy that I don't have to constantly think to myself like, what 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 side am I on? Like, what you know? I I agree with certain aspects of you know the owners and the players, but it's done. It's done. The players got their deal. It's over. And now we can just focus on actual baseball and not lawyer talk and dollars talk and this, that, and the other. It's it's finally about baseball. And um, like you said, the in-game changes, pretty interesting. I'm cool with the universal DH. I wrote about it last month about who might be the Pirates of DH. I'm thinking it's going to be Yoshi Susugo. Uh, we can talk about that in a little bit here, but I'm, I'm cool with the universal DH. I'm cool with bigger bases. I think that's going to be implemented in 2023. Cuts back on, you know, injuries around the base, no fingers getting stepped on by cleats. Perhaps it increases steals by players. A big thing, obviously, in baseball is – the the want for more action in the game so if there's more steals there will be more in-game action that just isn't home runs walks and strikeouts so that's cool um one thing that i like i believe it's starting next season is that all teams are going to play each other so you know as a pirates fan there's some al teams you see once every three or so years you see someone like mike trout once every um three or so years, the Yankees, teams like that, we're going to be seeing them more, which I think that is cool. I think the um, the younger players getting an opportunity to make more money is cool. Someone like Bob Nutting might not like that because his team is just filled with young players, which, sorry, Bob, you're going to have to pay a little more. If O'Neill Cruz goes off and wins Rookie of the Year this season, you're going to have to pay him more. And uh, I love that. Um, one thing I do like that – sorry, I'm kind of rambling here, but the um, there's now incentive for teams to not manipulate service time. So I believe it is um, if a player is called up at the start of the season and they win an award such as Rookie of the Year, then that team that started them 
uh, in the majors at the beginning of the season will get some extra picks in the draft. So incentive there, I, I, I hope that means for the Pirates' sake, we see O'Neill Cruz opening day, and we see Rolanzi Contreras opening day. That would just that would make the season, you know, infinitely more uh, exciting to start the year. We wouldn't have to wait till July. But overall, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited with these new changes. And Pirates-wise, yeah, sorry, Bob Nutting still can get away with a $40 million payroll or $50 million or whatever it is. There's no salary floor. The cheap owners are going to continue to be cheap, and the big market teams are allowed to spend even more. But I don't care. I don't care. I don't want Bob Nutting – I don't want him to have to spend his money. I don't want there, there to be a rule. I, if he's going to be cheap, then just let him get made fun of for all eternity. I'm fine with it. Uh, I don't want him spending his money just because he has to. I'm probably in the minority there, but I don't know, Jake. That's 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 kind of where I am right now at this exact moment of us recording. I kind of agree with Bob Nutting with your statement about him because I feel like if he doesn't spend money in the coming years and he's going to get run out of town and Uncle Steve Cohen will come in and take over like he did the Mets. Yeah. Well, a fan can dream. But, yeah, I like the service time issue. I'd love to see uh, O'Neill and Rowansi obviously make the opening day debut or opening day roster, and obviously they are better than probably uh, 83% of the players that are on the active roster right now, so they probably make a big splash from the get-go. Um, and it allows more opportunity for the Pirates to really work with some of the younger and up-and-coming prospects because they already know O'Neill, Cruz, and Rowansi are both you know, they're talented. They're ready for the majors. So they don't have to worry about them being down. They can focus more on like Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez, and them progressing. And I feel like that's something that, you know, they should really look at, um, you know, as the season progresses. One thing I'm kind of shocked that we haven't seen, though, is, and it was mentioned in the ESPN story that I'm reading right now, the lack of instituting more anti-tanking measures. I really thought that would have been a big topic of discussion, especially with how uh, the Rockies, Orioles, the Pirates, how those sort of teams have really just embraced the tanking culture and run and ran with it over the past few years. Obviously, Pirates fans are happy with it based off the draft haul we got, but um, league-wide, I'm kind of shocked that they didn't try to uh, implement something a little bit stricter than that, like maybe some uh, financial penalties if a team is obviously tanking, you know, like the Pirate treatment, signing players only to trade them and bring in scrubs to fill in, you know, something like that. I thought that could have been worked in a little bit, but I'm sure that might be agreed upon over the coming years, especially if this, uh, if the commonality of tanking is still around to come. Uh, but who knows? That's just one. That's one of my one critique. I would say that I think we should have, you know, we should have seen a little bit more talks of. Um, but overall, you know, I think it's, I think it's good. Um, obviously, the Pirates can benefit. From some of this uh, might stay the same. Uh, I will say I was shocked when I when the names came out of the owners that uh, denied the improved financial measures for uh, younger players and pretty much for teams overall. I'm very surprised Bob Nutting was not mentioned just because of all the <laughs> I guess all the uh, stereotypes around him about how cheap he is and you know how he doesn't want to pay players and it, you you're, you know what you just said kind of reminded me of that. I was very shocked. I mean, obviously, he probably didn't want to do it, but he probably voted for those improvements out of pity because who wants to put their name in the hot seat like Bob Nutting? You know, he's already under fire, so why add more fuel to the fire? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I don't want to paint 
Mr. Nutting in a little bit more of a bad light than he's already in, but something tells me that he was against it, but he just wanted to, he wanted to go with the PR move instead of uh, his true feeling, but that's not now nor not here nor there. Uh, he voted for it and it was probably the biggest shock to me. And I don't know how other pirates fans felt, but that was definitely something uh, that I noticed. Did you notice that? I actually did not see that, but kind of like you said, I'm sure he just didn't want to uh, put his put his name in the fire even more. His team is just filled with nothing but young players right now, so I guess try to be a, a little less hated than he already is. Um, this is actually pretty interesting that I see on Twitter right now based um, on payroll projections at Fangraphs. John Becker tweeted this. The Pirates, uh, after the increase of the league minimum from $570,500 to $700,000, the Pirates stand to pay an additional $3.3 million to the payroll. So their payroll, I believe, pre-lockout was around $40 million. So it's, it's ticked up a, a few extra million dollars via the um, – Increased minimal salary alone. I find that interesting. The Pirates had the second highest um, increase for minimum players behind the Texas Rangers. Uh, the Rangers are at 3.5 million. I just think that's kind of funny because the Pirates have so many minimal um, salary players. Um, but yeah, that that's a funny tidbit. Um, yeah. As far as the tanking goes, I just think it's it's kind of hard to prove tanking. It seems like it's a it's a little bit of a subjective um, thing to talk about. I mean, yes, obviously the Pirates didn't go out of their way to win per se, but it, they they gave they gave young players a chance, and the young players just weren't very good. Um, but there wasn't – I guess this season there wasn't any clear salary dumps per se, although there really wasn't any salary to dump at all. But in terms of preventing tanking, I just think – I don't know what more could have been done. I I will say, though, I think the, the measures taken to uh, decrease service manipulation is at least kind of – a step in that direction because if you're bringing your good players up earlier, then you'll have a better chance to win rather than holding them down for that service time. So we'll see. Uh, I don't think tanking is, it's, it's probably really not going anywhere, but at the same time, like tanking in baseball is a lot different than tanking in a sport such as the NBA, where you could get a generational player immediately to change the course of your franchise or the NFL, where you can get a generational quarterback to change the course of your franchise. In baseball, you draft prospects, and the difference between the first pick and the tenth pick usually isn't super crazy different, unless sometimes there are drafts with a Bryce Harper or you know a uh, Steven Strasburg. Pirates just missed those drafts, classically being number one there. But I, I mean, I don't. I don't see I think I think being cheap spending less money is probably a bigger problem than tanking itself but I don't know um we'll see this year what happens with with the team and how how much they try to win honestly we'll see over the next few days 
if the Pirates even attempt to sign any free agents. Um, do you have any thoughts on – I guess we could shift the conversation here a little bit to the Pirates more. What do you think they're going to do here over the next few weeks? Well, currently their active roster stands at 39 players, so obviously they're going to look to add somebody onto it, whether it be a minor league name or somebody from the free agents list. Yes, um, yes. And their chances of doing either or, uh, they sort of balance out, especially with the announcement that the Rule 5 draft for this year is canceled. And, Nate, there were so many players that I thought were going to be picked from the Pirates, uh, barring this lockout. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that's, a, that's a win for the Pirates. Yeah, because now they keep, what, Tanaj Thomas, Mason Martin are the two big names, at least to me. There's obviously other ones, but um, now they can feel free to experiment whether what they want to bring Mason Martin up as part of the DH role maybe platoon first base. I know it's not common to have two lefties in that DH role, uh, but uh, with Michael Chavis in there, you could probably mix, uh, mix, mix either or in. Um, but I'm looking at the free agents list here. And the one thing the pirates are missing is a backup catcher. Yep. Um, obviously the easiest thing to possibly do would bring Michael Perez back up to the 40 man, but I don't think anybody wants to see another buck 95 year from him. That's um, probably going to happen. Uh, I, I I know I don't. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to look at spot track here for some of the most uh, for some of the available free agent catchers in the one that kind of stands out to me that could possibly balance that catching platoon is Steven Vogt. I know he's 37 years old, getting up there in age, but he bats left. Uh, and if I mean this is going to be a lost year, let's just acknowledge that right now. This oh, is just going to be another year of improvement. And if we can add another veteran presence to this to the uh, team like Vogt. Um, and, I mean, he's going to be reasonably cheap because in 2021, when he was with the Braves, uh, his base salary was $3.5 million. And, I mean, you talk about the their Pirates are looking to add $3.5 million right there. That could add Steven Vogt, uh, another, like I said, veteran presence, good uh, good defensive catcher. Uh, offensively, not the greatest, but, again, in a waste year, you kind of just need somebody to step in and fill the role. And if we're talking backup-wise – this would be a perfect role for him, especially with him getting up there in age. Um, and especially if you got Roberto Perez and Steven Vogt there, I mean, that's not a bad backstop issue for a team that's not going to do anything really. Um, but in terms of pitching maybe, because that's going to be a big thing. Uh, we all know relief pitching was probably the bane of the pirates last year. Starting wise, I'm not even going to touch that because they have a ton of young arms and they already bought, uh, Jose Quintana to be sort of that veteran leader. Mitch Keller hitting 100 miles per hour. Oh, boy, I missed the Mitch Keller slander so much. Mm. Um, but they're working it out, so I think the Pirates need to look at maybe adding to their uh, bullpen a little bit. Um, obviously, it's not going to be somebody too great. Um, <laughs> to, there's, a, there's a big list here, and I'm trying to figure out there is. Who, who could be that fill-in role uh, up there in age, veteran leader, not the greatest, could sign cheap. I'm not sure. In the uh, bullpen? Yeah. I mean, people are saying Richard Rodriguez is coming back. Yeah, good. I don't know. I I would love to see Rich Rod come back, but you never know. I mean, Jason Street, Shreve is still out there, and he was actually one of the better arms in our bullpen, So, and he's a lefty. We need lefty pitchers. Um, so I, I'm not too sure. I'm – Looking at the active roster for the Pirates right now in their bullpen, bringing back Stratton, one of the better arms. Uh, Sam Howard, who was up and down last year. Um, Blake Cedarland's going to come back, so we got to mix him in a little bit. Um, Anthony Banda still looks to come back, so he's going to be that lefty long relief. So really you need something short 
short timing in the game, middle middle relief, maybe set up possibly, um, unless Luis Oviedo takes that over. Uh, maybe a guy like Darren O'Day, 39 years old. You know, he's got that uh, wacky sidearm submarine combination uh, stretch motion. And yeah. I mean, if you need him to come in for maybe an inning or two here and there. I mean, why not? He'd probably sign for cheap. Let's see. Let's see what Darren O'Day has done here recently. Last year, I mean, hey, 2021, 338 ERA. He only pitched 10 innings, though, and he pitched 16 innings. I mean, he hasn't pitched more than 20 innings since 2018, but who knows? Um, I will say this, though, on the backup catcher front. Sorry to say it. It's going to be Michael Perez. It just is. I know. I, I hate the fact that we have to accept that, but I was really hoping that it would not be him again. But, hey, we got two Perez's. Yay. Yeah, there. double Perez. I do like Roberto Perez, though, a lot. I think he could be um, at least 80% as good as Jacob Stallings. I know a lot of Pirates fans were really upset about the Jacob Stallings trade, and I really wasn't. Um, I'm all right with Zach Thompson. He'll probably be in the starting rotation for the Pirates um, on opening day. And, I mean, they they took some lottery tickets with him. So we'll see what happens with that trade. As far as the bullpen goes, like you said, uh, we got – we got our man, um, Bednar. He's going to be closing games, which I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And we got Stratton there in the setup. Nick Mears, maybe. The thing is, though, the thing with the Pirates pitching staff is they have like eight guys right now competing to get in that starting rotation. If I had to guess right now, the players that will no doubt be in the starting rotation – on opening day, there's four of them. It's going to be Quintana, obviously, because they signed him to a nice one-year, $2 million deal. Huge money there. It's going to be Mitch Keller, Mr. 100-mile-an-hour Mitch Keller. We're gonna That's going to be his nickname now, 100-mile-an-hour Mitch Keller. We'll see, we'll see what the game velocity looks like. But it's going to be him. It's going to be Quintana. It's going to be JT Brubaker, who, as we all know, fell off a, a cliff. And he fell for miles and miles and miles in the second half last season. But in the first half, he looked pretty solid. So I think he is safe to make the rotation. And then, obviously, I think I think Zach Thompson is going to be in the rotation as well, who last year with the Marlins was pretty decent. Um, I think... I think he'll be in the rotation. Maybe maybe he could be a swingman type guy, though. But if I had to guess, right now, those four will be in the rotation. And then that leaves... That leaves a pretty long list of players trying to get that fifth spot. Um, you know, you have Miguel Yajure, you got Bryce Wilson, Dylan Peters, who looked pretty decent at times last year, Max Cranick, Will Crow, who I, I'm not really rooting for him. And then I kind of mentioned earlier, Rowanzi Contreras, who we talked about the um, service manipulation. He could potentially just start the season in the rotation. So I think a combination of whoever doesn't make the starting rotation, they'll probably get stuck in the bullpen a little bit here for a while to, to kind of fill out with the Sam Howards and the, the Bednars and the Anthony Bandas of the world. That'll fill out the bullpen. Um, so I, pitching wise, I don't really see them adding 
adding much of anything, to be honest. To this team as a whole, unless they're unless they're going to go after someone that could actually make a difference, like a, a legit free agent, you have to sign more than ten million dollars to to get. I don't I don't really I don't see a point in in bringing really anyone to this roster. There's already a whole bunch of <laughs> meh players. Let's just see who can stick around and and maybe be a part of the next the next good team whenever that may be. Let me propose something here. Andrew McCutcheon. What do you think they're going to do? Oh, I mean, I would love it, obviously. Um I I would I would just I don't know what else to say. I would absolutely love that because you do look at this team. If, 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 if there was a position that could be added to outfield is definitely it. You look at the opening day outfield right now, it's Anthony Alford in left, Brian Reynolds in center field, or sorry, Gamble in left, Reynolds in center, and Alford in right. To me, that sounds like, a star center fielder in Reynolds, and then two fourth outfielders. So, yeah, I would love if they brought back McCutcheon. I don't even – like, contract-wise, it's not my money. Give them two years for 50. They won't, but, like, I would love to see that. There's other names, too, that I wouldn't mind seeing. Heck, bring back Corey Dickerson. Let's see maybe – Big uh, Kevin Pillar guy. I saw your Twitter. Yeah, Kevin. I tweeted Kevin Pillar because I feel like that's the most realistic if they were to add an outfielder. Someone like him, I wrote about this earlier, but someone like Alex Dickerson, perhaps. Maybe they'd bring back our old friend Gerard Dyson. I don't see that happening. But, I mean, yeah, McCutcheon, that's the dream scenario in my mind. I don't think it's going to happen. But, um. Yeah, there there are good outfielders on the market right now. Nick Castellanos, that's never going to happen. Michael Conforto, never going to happen. Maybe someone like I proposed this last year. I'd love to see Jock Peterson as a Pirate. May, like, who's to say why can't we give Jock Peterson a one year deal for like nine million dollars? Let him play right field. Let him hit lead off and bash thirty home runs. Maybe a few river shots. That would at least give the fans something. I think at this point in the rebuild, Pirates fans are well aware that the team sucks. They're well aware. They know that perhaps next year when a lot of these prospects are due to come up, that's the year where it's like, okay, it's kind of it's time to start paying attention a little bit this year. But this year, you have an absurdly comically low payroll. Why not add add some players that that would at least get fans interested. Um, the Pirates, in the past, they they kind of did that. I don't know if you remember, but the year was 2003, and the Pirates sucked like they kind of do now. But that year, they brought in some free agents. They brought in Reggie Sanders. He hit 30 home runs. He was pretty fun to watch. They brought in Kenny Lofton. He was traded at the deadline, but he was fun to watch for a half season. And they, you know, they had a lineup that you could look at and say, hmm, all right, well, that's at least a major league lineup. I don't see why the Pirates can't bring in a Jock Peterson or, hell, even an Andrew McCutcheon. That would be awesome. That would get fans riled up. Corey Dickerson would be nice too. Kyle, Kyle Schwarber would be nice. These are not absurdly priced 
free agents, but they they should they should do something. I just I just don't think they will. And I I mean, you look at the Pirates, their biggest free agent signing ever is still Francisco Liriano, three years, thirty nine million dollars. Their biggest team contract ever, Jason Kendall, two decades ago. Six years, $60 million. Until I see them sign anyone, I just don't think, I just refuse to believe it'll happen. So one can dream. Uh, I mean, it'll be fun to watch the free agent market, you know, kind of work itself out over the next few weeks here. But from for the Pirates' sake, it's just, uh, I mean, it's, if you're not going to add someone that is is a legit starter, then just we'll just roll with we'll roll with what we got, and and maybe maybe one of these quad A guys can break out and be a a legitimate player. Yeah, one can dream about that. Um, I wouldn't put it past the Pirates to maybe explore an option on the free agent market. Uh, it's not like they're just going to roll over and just deal with what we got. Um, I think they're going to explore some options. Another thing, another uh, player I think that would make a very big bargain, and I know we just talked a lot about this, so I'll keep it brief. Brad Miller, he's a decent, he's a serviceable guy who can play multiple positions, fill a role for the Pirates, and, you know, he can platoon a few areas as well, so that way we don't have to go find somebody that can only play one position. He can come in and play multiple spots when needed, possibly DH here and there. You know, he's he's that guy who will sign, sign small. It's a low-risk, high-reward move. Um, but only time will tell. Hopefully we get some rumors going around here very, very soon. Um, and I'll leave off on, I think you're quoting my, uh, 2003 pirate story that I wrote a few months ago. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I probably was, but yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting, especially it's just so hard to overcome, you know, the emotion of baseball returning today and then immediately thinking, okay, what, who's <laughs> going to do what now? So I'm just like still trying to come down from that. And what are the Pirates going to do? Brad Miller, I do like that idea. I mean, uh, nice utility player, hit 20 home runs last season, would definitely be one of the Pirates' better hitters right off the bat. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Looking at it right now, I mean, I guess we could just kind of go through the roster right now. Um, I kind of jokingly tweeted what I thought the opening day lineup would look like, but – you look at it, obviously Hayes and Reynolds, that's the core. Uh, we kind of mentioned the outfield, Reynolds, Gamble, and Hayes. Kevin Newman, he'll be back. I'll guarantee you this. Kevin Newman will be better in 2022 than he was in 2021. I think he'll be the opening day second baseman. Michael Chavis, I mean, that's that's a guy that – We'll see what he can do over a full season. Um, He was good at one time with the Red Sox. His rookie year, he was solid. We'll see. We'll see what he can do. Um, And then shortstop, we'll see if – we'll see if and when O'Neill Cruz gets gets the call. That's the big one. O'Neill Cruz, he's probably the number one reason to watch the Pirates in 2022 – when he eventually gets called up, hopefully that's sooner rather than later. But, I mean, whether he's awesome or whether he's Gregory Polanco 2.0, it'll be exciting to watch and find out. Um, 
six foot seven shortstop. What's more exciting than that? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, he's been a long awaited. I mean, he gave us a bit of a taste at the end of last season, what he can do. That's really the main thing that people are going to be looking out for this year is what O'Neill Cruz can bring to the table for the Pirates. So I'm excited for him and I hope he does really well. Also, what do you do if Brian Reynolds gets traded here over the next few days? Uh, denounce my fandom and go follow the Guardians. <laughs> the Guardians, that's uh, – yeah, yeah, man. My, oh, my. I'm seeing some tweets that – I mean, it's it's obvious, but um, the, the stove is – it's heating up. There's no moves yet, but GMs are – they're uh, they're warming up the stove. It's 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 uh, it's ticking right now. The the fire has yet to catch, but the, the stove has been started up. So, John Morosi, free agency talks are extremely busy. In the words of one agent, we're only two hours into the market. Busy weekend ahead. I am excited to see to see what 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 we have. What we have. As a league, as a league. So uh, who do you like then this year as the Pirates DH? Yoshi, all the way. He's been my number one since day one. And, I mean, he's got the power uh, in the field. He's a little shaky, so I think he just fits perfectly in the DH role. Yeah, I agree. And um, I'm I'm looking at the first base market here because the Pirates don't really have, besides Yoshi, a true first baseman. I think Chavis will he'll take a a majority of of those reps but uh you look at it here i don't think the pirates are going to be in on freddie freeman or Anthony rizzo but you never know the other names though it's it's colin moran baby how much would you like to see the pirates re-sign colin moran you know i wouldn't mind it he was a good contact hitter just couldn't fucking run and that always bothered me (laughs) He was painfully slow. Like it was him and Jacob Stallings were the slowest people on team. I I couldn't take it. But if it trades his glove, you know, if I, if that means we get his glove and his bat back, I'll gladly take that. Yeah. I mean, other names here, it's Mitch Moreland. It's Travis Shaw. It's Dan Vogelbach. That's really about it. There's really not a lot of first base options here. And Yeah. Cool Tucker took some first base reps last year. He played one full inning at first base last season. So, oh yeah, forgot about maybe, that. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe he'll be he'll be a super utility guy, and he'll get some he'll get some reps over there at first. Um, but yeah, the the Pirates will open the season at Bush Stadium, and then their home opener is uh april 12th and i believe they're playing the cubs baseball's back jake is is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we sign off today nope let's just see the stove get hot and let's play some ball guys see the stove get hot play some ball we're we're happy to be back and uh the pod is it's going to be ramping up here again and um jake i'm excited to talk actual baseball the lockout was tough. It was it was really tough to get through, but we did. It was an extra long winter, but we are back and we're ready to talk some Pirates baseball. And 
hopefully see some of these young players emerge. And, um, you know, the Pirates won 61 games last season. I'm hoping they can up that total in 2022, maybe, maybe win 65 or so games. That would, that would be exciting. Jake, where can we follow you on Twitter? On Twitter, you can follow me at underscore Radio Jake. Oh, how I miss saying that, and I hope to see a few of you in my follows. Heck yeah, you can follow me on Twitter as well, at Nathan underscore Hirsch. And, of course, follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter, at Bucks Dugout. We will be back here again soon. Um. There's any pirates, big splashy moves. We'll we'll be here talking about it, and once the season gets started, we'll we'll really be uh, ramping the pods up again. And yeah, it's a happy day, Jake. Always a pleasure. Have a great rest of your night. You as well, man. Take care. Take care. Peace. <laughs>